0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack dadam. Man, I, I tell you what, this is, uh, everything is so weird right now. I'm not even talking about social media. I'm just like my day. So one of the hard parts about, um, for example, cooking a pork roast is you have to be just a very moderately organized person, and I am not. And, um, you gotta be able to lay out these timelines, you know? I mean, for example, I take it out of the fridge on like Monday so that I can cook it on Friday, right? I think I mentioned that Uh, for, for a long time, partly because I didn't know how long it takes to thaw one of these things, but for a long time, it'd be like Thursday and it's like, dude, I should do a pork roast this weekend. It's like, you can't, I mean, you, you physically cannot. And I don't think it would be healthy to like leave it on the counter for 48 hours because the middle's frozen and the outside is um, completely unhealthy. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't taken a food safety course, but it seems unsanitary. But um, beyond that, I was kind of, I don't want to say I was winging it, but I never just said, all right, I need to sit down and write this out. There's, uh, what's that That guy, Franklin? Um, I have Masterclass. I paid for that, which I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it or not, but I did. It's a decision I made, and there is some good stuff on there. But anyways, uh, Richard Franklin, I think is his name. I don't know, but he's a, he's a real famous uh, barbecue guy. And he, what he does, he gets out some uh, paper and just works his way backward. I want it done at this time. Okay, well, I have, and then you know all the steps. I've cooked several of these things already, but I just, I forgot so many steps. And I was more or less winging it. I, I think just in my head, I said it takes about 17 hours. So I just planned on it being done in 17 hours, completely forgetting that there's a multi-step process. And that after about 12 hours, you're at about the point where you need to wrap it. Well, 12 hours is 1 o'clock in the morning. So that's not great. Um, Unfortunately, although I just said forget it, I'm just going to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and just let it cook through unwrapped, which I have done before. I did wake up. Because I was apparently so stressed about meat being on the grill, which happens all the time because I'm constantly afraid of like this thing's going to burst into flames or something's going to happen and I'm going to hear banging on the door. Hey, the side of your house is on fire. Just stuff like that, which is why I was out scrubbing my grill beforehand because I don't want to grease fire at at midnight. But there's just this general like stress and anxiety. I, I, I was up basically, it's 530 in the morning. I've been up since about 1245. I passed out for a little bit, but I keep waking up. And I finally just said, I just got to get up. The other issue is now that it's colder outside, it really has been affecting the cook because um, at five o'clock, so it has been on the grill for, uh, so this is this, probably not going to taste very good. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but we're at 150 degrees right now. It's been 16 hours usually you get to 160 and then you wrap it to accelerate. I should wrap it now just to really push it so I can get this thing done. Um, But I just, I turned up the temperature because I just got to get some other stuff done right now. And I'm just not ready to wrap it. I want, I don't want to, I don't want to mess up every step in the process. Let's get it to 160, get it to the stall and then wrap it. I don't need to wrap it just to speed it up right now. Although at this point it's not going to be done till five in the afternoon for crying out loud. So it's, it's not been a great morning, and I'm going to be unbelievably. That's all. I was, I was laying in bed, and I didn't feel super tired. I mean, it was one of those things where it's like, I know I should be able to fall asleep because I can feel it in my body, in my brain, the, the tiredness. But I know there's no way I'm going to sleep. Like, my brain is wide. I haven't actually felt that in a long time. I used to do that every single night of my life until this podcast actually saved me. If you're one of those people that's like, I just can't sleep at night, start getting up at 3 in the morning and doing a podcast. You'll be so dead tired Uh, you just, as soon as you lay your head down on the pillow, you pass out. So I haven't experienced that in a long time. Uh, But I did this morning and it's horrible because I'm tired all the time. I don't get enough sleep. I get like six hours of sleep a night, which used to be something I could tolerate and I just can't really tolerate it anymore. And uh, when you get six hours of sleep a night and then you follow that up with like four and then like a couple like sporadic half hours here and there, it's going to be a rough day. So, and unfortunately, I decided to like take videos and be like, I'm going to show people like for a bonus Patreon thing. Yeah, I'm going to show people how to do it exactly wrong. (laughs) Whatever. It's fine. Also, stupid, I bought ground beef, like way too much ground beef because I wanted to make tacos for my daughter's birthday. She requested it. She requested like five different things that are her favorite foods. And I'm like, I'm just going to make all these things. So I made her a taco, a calzone, yogurt, and ice cream. That was her dinner for her birthday. But now I've got ground beef that I need to cook for tacos, but I'm cooking a 10-pound pork roast that I also need to use before that goes bad. So I'm just kind of an idiot, I guess. I don't know. Again, you got to plan these things out, and I just really didn't. So it's going to result in um, meat going in the garbage, and that makes me sad. Now, I guess what I could do is just take the whole thing to work and let them eat it, but that's depressing. I can't do that. Like, hey, guys, I made everybody some, some meat. I mean, I guess I could. I probably should, but I don't think I will. (laughs) <laughs> I've been wanting this for so long, and I, I get like lunches for the whole week. It's exciting. I think the ground beef's going in the garbage. I don't know. I'll make I'll make a bunch of tacos today, and then it's just got to go. I think. Anyways, so you all thought I was gonna <laughs> be like things are bad because of Rodgers? No, it's because of because of no sleep and uh, meat issues. But it's also weird because I was sitting down here, and it's like there's no way today's game day. Like it just doesn't feel like it's game day already. It's like we haven't. I haven't touched on anything yet. We haven't talked about anything yet. I know I covered the Chiefs, and I know we kind of went over the Chiefs on two different ways and two different, I just, I don't know. I feel like I've done two podcasts this week. I don't, it's such a weird week. All the drama and everything else, it's just, I don't know, it's very, very strange, but we're here now. And so uh, the goal of today is kind of like most Sundays. We're going to make fun of the Kansas City Chiefs for being a garbage team. Cover a little bit of news and notes, um, and look over some of the other games of interest today. Probably all the games, but spending especially more time on the games of interest today. It also just dawned on me that there was a time change, which is awesome and horrible at the same time because I realized I got one more hour of sleep than I thought. But it also made me realize that the meat has been on the grill for an hour longer than I was expecting, which makes it even worse than I thought. So I'm gonna have to get one of those like thermal blankets or something for my uh, for my grill, I guess. Anyways. Do you know how to, pr- see now, one day a year you get an extra hour of sleep, and I got no sleep. The one day a year when I'm supposed to get, maybe that's part of the reason. Maybe there's sub- something subconscious that's like, yeah, you're going to actually get some sleep tonight. Tonight you're going to be able to feel rested, hate my brain, whatever. Sorry, we're staying focused. So why don't we start off with the injury report, which we haven't really talked about yet. But, I mean, the the injury report wasn't even that interesting because the biggest question is who's going to be brought back from, like, IR or whatever. Like, is David Bakhtiari going to play? He's not even on the injury report because he's off the report because he's on PUP or whatever whatever designation he has. Who cares? But he's not coming back. So that was kind of the interesting thing. However, um, as far as the injury report is concerned, Josiah Aguaro was on it, but he's been fine all week. He's going to play. Jack Heflin, who's been off for a while, um, is back and ready to play. I don't know how big of an impact he's going to have. However, Kingsley Kiki did go out with a concussion, so maybe we will see a little bit of Jack Heflin. Um, Dennis Kelly is questionable. He's been out for quite a while, and hopefully we won't need him anyways. Uh, skipping around a little bit. Uh, Mercedes Lewis had veteran rest. He's fine. Dean Lowry has a hamstring injury, but he is questionable, but should play. Um, Didn't practice Wednesday, was limited Thursday, Friday. Um, If he doesn't play, that's actually kind of big with Kingsley also being out. Uh, We're going to be down several guys. Um, But anyways, the other semi-big news here is uh, Kevin King, who was on the injury report uh, again, but should be back again. But also MVS apparently is back. So we got Elton back. We got Kevin back. We got MVS back. We're we're getting there. We still need um, Zadarius, Bakhtiari, Jair, some real big pieces here. Oh, and also Alan Lazard. Yeah, d- forgive me. Obviously, a very big factor here. Alan Lazard is also back. This is why I was hesitant to look at the injury report, because the biggest things we need to look at, they don't even show up on the injury report. But we're I, the point is, we're headed in the right direction. Now, Somebody had posed the question, something to the effect of, um, you know, I don't necessarily feel comfort in the fact that some guys will come back because we're losing guys at such a high rate. You know, there's no reason to believe that we're ever going to actually be at full strength, which I guess could be technically true. But um, I think worst case scenario, Rodgers will be back. Zadarius will be back. Bakhtiari will be back. Jair may not. And we may lose some other people. But remember, these are the most important people on the team, right? Uh, Aaron Rodgers... Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, after that I'd probably say Zadarius maybe, then probably Devontae, which I'm not saying Devontae isn't a better overall player, but in terms of how much do you lose when they go bye-bye, Rodgers is number one, Jair is number two, Uh, you could probably debate after that, but the fact that we don't ever lose when Devontae goes out makes it hard for me to say he's number three, so uh, after Jair, probably Bakhtiari. Maybe, maybe, maybe like Kenny, which I shouldn't even say his name. I'm sorry I said his name. I should delete that. I don't know who Kenny is. Kenny, uh, Kenny Galladay. That guy, right? Y'all know about Kenny Galladay? Man, remember when he was a lion? That was crazy. Kenny G. What does he play? Saxophone? I should Google that. That's important information. Yeah, Wikipedia says saxophone. All these pictures are a uh, completely different instrument, unless there's also a like shorter, straighter version of a saxophone, but I don't think that's how that works. Maybe it is how it works. I don't know. I don't know. But I I know that his name is Kenny. Also, Kenny Chesney. Not going to lie, I just Googled the word Kenny to see what popped up, and Chesney was there. I I don't know much about the guy. I see that he's wearing a cowboy hat, so I'm thinking country singer. Those are all the Kennys I know, though. Kenny Chesney, Kenny Galladay, and uh, Kenny G. So that's it. I don't know a single Kenny outside. Oh, Kenny uh, uh, South Park, guy gets killed a lot. No, 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 shoot. No, no, Kennys don't get hurt or killed. Oh, I'm saying a lot of things here. Let's talk about some Chiefs injuries, shall we? Uh, they've got a pretty extensive uh, injury report, but it looks like pretty much everybody's going to play. But we're still going to go over it because injured is a factor, right? When I talk about the Rams and how we smoked the Rams and all that stuff and how great Elton Jenkins did, everybody's very quick to point out, rightly so, uh, yeah, Aaron Donald was hurt in that game. So hurt in that game can mean something. Um, Chris Jones, who's one of the more talented people on this team, one of the only talented people on the defense, we talked about him a little bit. He's having a down year, um, just like pretty much everybody else on the team is. But still, Chris Jones Back and wrist injury, he was limited on Wednesday, played the rest of the week. I'm not even going to talk. Pretty, uh, so many people, I think other teams just handle their injury reports differently because there's so many people who are full participation the whole week. But Tyreek, ankle injury, played all week. Anthony Hitchens, a linebacker, tricep, fine all week. Uh, Travis Kelsey's got a neck injury. He was fine all week. Derek Nadi hip injury, he was fine all week. Uh, Kalen Saunders, he's fine all week with a neck injury, a knee injury. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that's somewhere near the knee, but with one less E. But uh, Kalen Saunders, he was fine all week, but questionable. Legerious Sneed, wrist injury, fine all week. Joe Thune, offensive lineman, hand injury, fine all week. Melvin Ingram, who I believe they just picked up, has a groin injury, uh, full participation all week. But the, the most important one here is Mr. Mike Remmers, offensive tackle with a knee injury, is out in this game. So uh, right, ta- right tackle Lucas Nyang, who is a third-round pick last year, will continue to take over at that spot. He's been playing most of the season anyways um, in place of Mike Remmers. Or maybe Mike Remmers has been filling in. I don't really know what their long-term plans are here, but Mike Remmers is the more experienced, probably a little bit more talented player than Lucas Nyang. But anyways, Nyang is going to be uh, staying at that right tackle spot. Certainly a beatable player. I mean, he, he had a real good week against the Giants, Um, 75 overall pass block grade, did a decent job against Baltimore. Um, Those are both two teams, by the way, who don't have any edge rushers. I like the Giants defensive tackles. They don't have any edge rushers. Baltimore, their defense has just kind of fallen off a little bit. But against Cleveland, the Chargers, Philadelphia, Buffalo, um, those are the teams that he actually played a little bit. And they do have some pass rush ability. He's been quite terrible. 59, 47, 48, and 52 were his pass blocking grades in those games. So far, his run blocking grade 77, pass blocking 58, which again, part of the issue with the Kansas City Chiefs and with um, Pat Mahomes is he's having a hard time getting his footing. Everything's kind of on shaky ground right now, so he's not really super comfortable. And his tackle's kind of um, buckling a bit. Are causing him some duress, and so the Packers are going to have to keep bringing that. Again, the interior of the offensive line has actually played quite well up to this point. It's the tackles that are a little bit shaky, and it was never that way for for Pat Mahomes in the past. He always had a very good tackle duo. They decided to get rid of both of them, which I still thought was really weird. Um, and now the two guys that they have in that in their place, kind of iffy. But anyways, let's let's just. Real quick, go over this again. I've said it several times, and because today is make fun of your opponent day, I really want to hammer this point home, which I'm, I'm being, you know, halfway just because it's the segment, but also because I really want you to understand this. I went over their statistics, right, where they rank in terms of points and yards and things like that. I looked at how they've been the last four weeks in which they've been even worse than just their overall season rankings. They've been playing worse recently than than throughout the season. The Kansas City Chiefs. Let's let's go back a little bit because I want I want this to be kind of front and center in people's mind. How far back can we go? Is it 2018 when Mahomes kind of took over? I think 2018. PFF ranked the Kansas City Chiefs as the fourth best team in football. Uh, they had an 89 overall grade on offense and a 77 on defense. 2019, they were the, where are they, 12th overall team with an 80.6 offense, and their defense was a 62.8. 2020, the Kansas City Chiefs ranked 10th with an 86.6 overall offense and a 62.4 overall defense. In 2021, right now, the Kansas City Chiefs are ranked 20th, 20th, with a 77 overall offense and a 53 overall grade on defense. In fact, the only areas in which they kind of dominate as far as their grades are run blocking and special teams. The only two categories in which they grade in the 70s, and they're very low 70s, 71 overall pass blocking grade, 73.8 overall receiving grade. Their passing grade, which understand what I'm saying when I say passing grade, I mean their quarterback. (laughs) That's, That's what that means. Passing grade, their rank Passing the ball is 21st with a 68 overall grade. One spot behind Cleveland, two spots behind the New York Giants, three spots behind the Denver Broncos, four spots behind the Miami Dolphins. And yes, the Packers are a little bit low because Aaron Rodgers hasn't been playing at an MVP level and there's been issues and injuries and all the things that we've already talked about. They're 14th. So even with the Packers being not where they were last year, which was number one, they're 14th in terms of passing right now, and climbing, which you cannot say about the Kansas City Chiefs. What about running the ball? Which is, it's hilarious because I I always say, it's one of my uh, one of my things. You can't do anything without an offensive line, because the only thing your team does is run and pass. That's that's not even how I say it, but that that's ultimately what I'm trying to get across: the importance of offensive line. Because running the ball and passing the ball are the only two things offenses do, and you can't do that without an offensive line. Well, I just told you that the Kansas City Chiefs' offensive line is doing a great job run blocking. But there's another side to the coin. You, you can't do it without an offensive line. But an offensive line doesn't mean you can do it. For example, you could have the best offensive line in football, but if Justin Fields is your quarterback, it's not going to matter. Nah, that was a little bit of a shot there. All right, fine. If, if, uh, who is the worst quarterback right now? He wanted to say stuff, but it's like, I, I, I could say Zach Wilson, but what? why would I do that? It's not fair to him either, is it? Now we're just playing favorites. Anyways, you get my point. Kansas City Chiefs have the second best run blocking offensive line in football. Man, I bet they pound the rock. Well, their rushing grade is 25th. In other words, their running back's ability to do something with the the opportunities they have is 25th. The Packers, by the way, are sixth with their rushing grade. 30th in run blocking, which again, as I've said, is a massive problem, which is why I want Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins and these guys back, so that we can start pushing some of these other guys out, get some massive upgrades. We need to be able to run block better, but um, the Packers are the exact opposite. And if you had to choose, by the way, you would choose to have the running backs create regardless of their opportunities, as opposed to having opportunities and not being able to do anything with it. Looking at PFF grade, again, we've looked at the stats, but what do the grades say? The Kansas City Chiefs defense ranks 28th, hilariously one spot ahead of the Chicago Bears. <laughs> oh, it's a good year, man. It really is a good year. I know there's been some problems and some dramas and some uh, injuries and whatnot, but man, Packers are 7 and 1. Bears have the 29th ranked defense, Chiefs are 28th, Lions are 31st. It's all good, man. The Packers are ranked 13th on defense. That's crazy. What about run defense, right? We went up against this just god-awful, terrible run defense unit in Washington. Worst ever, so it can't be that bad, right? I mean, obviously Washington's the worst that's ever existed. And uh, why can't I even find them on this list here? Oh, it's because they're way up at the top. They're ranked 6th, according to PFF. Run defense, 6th. Kansas City Chiefs, 30th. Just one spot lower than Arizona, the team that we ran all over. Bears 27th. (laughs) I mean, are you getting it, though? It's not like this is an elite team that's having some issues, right? Like, if it wasn't for a couple drops and a few less penalties, they'd be dominating. These are deep-seated issues. How about pass rush? One of the most critically important things a team can do. you got to be able to generate pressure on the quarterback, especially when you're going up against Jordan Love. Now, granted... If you're going up against Aaron Rodgers and can't generate pass rush, you're dead. You're done. It's over. Dead in the water. Which is sad because we would be able to, I would have been able to just sit here and say it's already done. However, likewise, I mean, again, go back to the example of Justin Fields. I'm confident that if Justin Fields played a game with no pressure, he'd look pretty good. Most quarterbacks, if they're able to just sit comfortably in a pocket, can at least not look horrible. Where do the Chiefs rank in pass rush? 31st just in front of the Atlanta Falcons, 31st. And then in coverage, they rank 17th. So again, bottom half, one spot behind the Green Bay Packers, who've had injuries decimating their entire secondary. Bears are 29th, by the way, coverage. Okay, fine. Their their defense is is bad, but the offense is better than the Packers. Well, I mean, it's not. <laughs> I mean, without Aaron Rodgers, fine. I'll grant you that. But I mean, if we're just looking at it compared to who's better, the Packers' offense ranked 11th, the Chiefs' offense ranks 12th. Packers' defense is 13th, the Chiefs' defense is 28th. So I would say at this point, maybe, worst-case scenario, we're kind of even, where the Packers' offense drops so that the Chiefs have a significantly better offense and the Packers have a significantly better defense. But in order for that to even be true, the Packers would have to drop from 13th down to 28th. On offense, or uh, what is the offense? Where do we rank offense? Eleventh. We'd have to dra- drop from eleventh down to about twenty-eighth or twenty-ninth to make it even. You think we drop to twenty-ninth? Why? Why suddenly can't we run the ball? Why can't Jordan Love throw the screen passes and things like we did against Arizona? I don't know that we go to twenty-ninth, dude. Maybe we drop to what twenty-second, twenty-third. Washington is twenty-third. The Bears are twenty-fourth. Do you see how bad they like? Do we drop to that level of suck suddenly? Like, the offensive line can't pass block anymore. Matt LaFleur can't call plays that make sense anymore. Like, we're, we're dropping into everything is a dumpster fire territory. Washington, Chicago, Miami, Detroit, uh, the Jets, the Giants, the Jaguars, the Steelers, the Panthers, the Texans. I don't know that we dropped that far. Maybe we dropped to where the, the Colts are 22nd, or the Saints at 21st, given their quarterback woes, but a talented team around it. That makes more sense to me. So again, if anything... And this is where, again, the, the, the line is silly to me. If anything, this is now a fair fight. With Aaron Rodgers sitting out, this became a fair fight, and we'll see what happens. Yes, it's entirely possible the Chiefs just figure it out, and this is their get-right game, and all the problems go away, and Pat Mahomes suddenly stops, turning in, stops being a turnover machine, and Travis Kelsey stops dropping passes, and the offensive line and everybody else stops getting penalties. And the offensive line learns how to block, and the defense learns how to tackle and cover and pass rush, and they just discover all these traits that they never had or, or you know, had but lost or whatever. Maybe, but if we don't assume that that happens, this is maybe a fair fight, possibly a fair fight. And yeah, the the, the one biggest concern is you know when we talk about the grit factor. A lot of that has to do with the team just believing, right? Never giving up because you always believe. Maybe without Aaron Rodgers, this team doesn't believe. That's entirely possible. And if that's the case, we're going to watch the Packers' first real bad game since week one. I don't mean loss. I mean real bad game where it's like, dude, this is ugly. And then the problem is going to be the narrative after the fact in terms of Jordan Love can't get it done or whatever. But really, it's, it's the team not rallying around Jordan and just believing, believing that you can win without Aaron Rodgers. And that's going to be a problem that's going to need to be rectified by Matt Lafleur. because regardless of what happens after this year, the Packers have to learn to play without Aaron Rodgers. At some point, that has to be a thing. And and again, I think the good news is they have learned to play without Aaron Rodgers. That's the whole point of what we've been talking about. The defense isn't just saying, well, the offense is struggling, so I guess we're done. No, they step up and win the game themselves. The defense has been more impactful than the offense this year. Look at the scores. It's not the Packers win because they score 35 points a, a, a game. That's not what we're seeing. The Packers have scored 24, 24, 24, 25, and 27 the last five weeks. None of that is impressive. The defense has allowed 21, 10, 14, 22, and 17. That's what's impressive. And the narrative was, yeah, that's against bad offenses. That is until we played the Arizona Cardinals with the number three or four ranked offense in football at the time. Also, Cincinnati is not a bad offense. And outside of those two teams, it was 17, 14, and 10 points allowed. That's pretty impressive, regardless of how trash your team is. Man, I got some pretendinitis going on in my ear right now. Just some ringing. And so, you know, it, it, they still can. They, st- they still can come in here with their, their heads in their hands and, and say, we're, we're probably not going to win because it's the Chiefs and they're so good and we don't have Aaron Rodgers. And so they don't have that edge. It's possible. And I hope that doesn't happen. And, and it, you know, I, I retweeted something on Twitter the other day about the team rallying around Jordan. I hope they mean it. I really do, because they're going to have to believe it. If they don't believe it, they're not going to win. As as weird and corny as that sounds, it's true. I don't care how much the the Chiefs are struggling. That's that's a that's a real football team. All right? they They're they're not just going to roll over and let you win. You're going to have to earn it still. And it's going to take some rallying and some genuine belief that we're going to win this game. We're going to need the defense to really rally and 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 do some work. We're going to need sacks. We're going to need turnovers. We're going to need the offensive line to step up, pass blocking and run blocking. We're going to need Matt LaFleur to step up in a big way. We're going to need the receivers to step up, right? If, if that ball, you know, we saw that, what was that, week one, I think, um, Devin Funches made a couple just heroic grabs. Not everything is perfectly on target. I, I do love Jordan Love's placement. I think he does a great job with placement. But if that thing's a little bit outside, I need you to make a play on that ball. Because there's going to be other areas where Jordan maybe falls short. So make that one count, right? Aaron Rodgers has bad throws too. And if that gets dropped, whatever, because he'll make up for it, right? He did some other heroic things, things like changing the call at the line, reading defenses, all those kinds of things. Give the Packers an edge that we don't have anymore. So we need the receivers to make up some slack. And yeah, Jordan Love's got to be a part of it, too. He's got to go out and believe it. Again, probably reading too much into the tea leaves or or whatever you want to say. But he didn't give me a super confident vibe when he went up to the press conference. Granted, I couldn't hardly see his face because he's wearing that giant mask. But he just felt, like, timid and, and, like, nervous. Now, hopefully he gets out on the field. And again, you you start him off early. You start him off with a couple completions. He gets rolling, and it's like, all right, we're doing this thing. Let's get going. But, um, you know, I... Chiefs are bad, but they're going to beat us if if we don't go in there believing we're the better team without Aaron Rodgers. And that's that's, that's, that's a, a big deal, and I don't want to pretend that it's not. I mean, you, you can do all the self-talk you want, but actually believing it in your soul that without Aaron Rodgers, we're still better than the Chiefs, we're still going to win, that's not easy to do, to convince yourself of that and to really genuinely trust Jordan Love. But they're going to have to do it, and, and, and again, that falls squarely on the, on the coaching staff especially to make sure that this, this is a team that believes that they're going to overcome that adversity, and, and so far they've done a great job of that. But that has to continue, and this is the ultimate test. This is it. This is the biggest one. If you overcome this, if you beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead with no Aaron Rodgers, who can stop you? Who can stop you? Well, you can stop you, that's, but that's, that's the point. Great teams. The best team in football, the only person that can stop that team, 2020 Packers, the only person that can stop, the only people that can stop the best team in football is yourselves, which is exactly what we saw in 2020. But if you are the best team in football, and you overcome all adversity, and you do believe in your ability, and you don't fall asleep and fall apart at the first sign of adversity, you're not going to be stopped. That's the biggest test of the day, even more so than, than winning and losing. Are we going to see the offense, defense, and special teams play four quarters with heart? Am I going to look at PFF grades on Monday, Tuesday, and see a bunch of real good grades, or am I going to see, you know, Billy Turner gave up seven pressures, and you know the offensive line just fell apart, and and so and so had their worst game, and Devontae had like a forty overall grade for the first time since twenty sixteen. Is that the kind of thing I'm going to see, despite playing garbage corners? That's the thing about stuff like this. You, you talk a big game and you say I think we got this, but you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to rise up and have the best game ever. And, the, and the, the, the thing I love about football is that each individual piece makes a massive difference. If we just look at it through the lens of PFF grades, right? If we just use that as a proxy for how good somebody played. If Devontae has a 90 overall grade or a 40 overall grade, how massively does that impact this game? And that's just one guy, and you got to do that for every single person there. That doesn't take into account injuries. That doesn't take into account weather conditions. That doesn't take into account fluke things like a tipped pass. That doesn't take into account coaching. That doesn't take into account the sleep people had the night before. Well, I guess it kind of does because that'll impact their play. But the variables are so unbelievable. And that's also why we got to, you know, if people don't play super well, we, we just lose our mind because we have such a maddened mentality, right? If this guy's an 86 overall player, Madden makes sure they're an 86 every single week. Every week, it's the same guy. It's the same 86 overall player every single week. That's not reality, though. You know, if, if Madden was more realistic, you would have weeks, and, and maybe this happens, I don't know, but you'd have weeks where this guy who has great hands, you know, let's say Robert Tunyon, I don't know if Madden actually gave him good hands, but generally that's kind of what he's known for, real good hands. He drops three passes in a game. What the heck is that? It's reality. It's like when you're playing Risk. You ever play Risk? It's funny. My my son is uh, very much like me. He was he's kind of driving me nuts yesterday. He has Risk on his tablet. I taught him how to play Risk, and he's obsessed with it. Which is how I know he's exactly like me because when I was a kid, that was my favorite game ever. I loved it. We obviously didn't have tablets. We had the board game, but um, my family wasn't super into it because it took like three hours at least. But I loved it, man. I loved Risk. But he's got Risk on his tab. He's literally just following me all around the house. Oh, look at this. Look, oh, this guy. Oh, oh, oh. It's like, dude, I get it. I know. I, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's crazy, man. But he's so excited about risk. But one of the things that drove me nuts, and the thing is, if you play on a tablet, and now everything just kind of fast forward, so you don't actually watch the dice roll, at least on the tablet. I think you can, but that's a setting you can change. I don't know. But if you play it like electronically, which I, I, I think I do have risk on my phone, and I've played it before, and you're trying to attack somebody, and the, you know, so the way it works is, if you're defending, you have two dice, but tie goes to you. So if, if, if I have three dice and I roll two, 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 and you have two dice and you roll 2-2, two, two, well, you you clean sweep me. I don't have any of my dice that beat your dice. Um, and so you, you get into these things where you roll it and you just keep losing and you just keep losing. It's like, this is like NBA Jam when the other team always makes a full court shot to end the game. This is absurd. But if you ever played Risk, like the board game, that happens all the time. It was the most infuri- I wanted to flip that board so many times. Because you'd have a way bigger army, and you'd roll those dice, and you just keep losing and losing, and it's like, this is impossible. But it's, it's literally happening right in front of you. So as much as your brain is saying, this isn't right, this isn't real, this isn't fair, this, this is fake, something is wrong, something is broken, there's literally nothing that can be broken, the dice aren't loaded, it's just what it is. That's like football. We look at it and say, that's not possible. Devontae against these garbage corners is going to feast, but you know what? He might not. Our running backs against this garbage defensive uh, running, you know, defense, we're going to feast, except we might not. And I don't just mean because they're going to stack the box to try to make Jordan throw. Maybe they don't stack the box and we still can't run. It happens. It does happen sometimes. Football's weird, man. You just never know. So many variables that go into this stuff. But just using the information that we have available to us, I like the Packers odds. And I, I at this point, I genuinely believe it comes down to belief. I think this is a, a harder unit. It's a stronger unit, I mean, physically and mentally. I think the Packers are a mentally stronger unit, which has never been their thing. As I've said before in, the, in, in previous episodes, probably a thousand times at this point this year, it's becoming a daily thing. This has never been a thing for the Packers. They've always been physically weak and mentally weak. They're a finesse team, right? We're, we're, we're smarter than you. We're going to outsmart you. We've got a quarterback that can throw back shoulders. so We're just going to trick you. We're just, we're, we're just, we're kind of just cheating. We're not more talented. We're just cheating because we're so good. But the defenses were always soft and they couldn't tackle. And we we're always bad at running the ball and, and run blocking. Just just gritty, backyard, smash-mouth football. The Packers just were never that way. And that culture is changing. And you, and you're, it's interesting because you start to see the value of that. Just just getting philosophical for a second. You get a head coach that comes in and says, running the ball is really important. Trench warfare is really important. You know, big masculine, dominant tight ends like Mercedes Lewis. It seems like they're not related, but there's no question it is. The, the fact that they utilize and, and intend to dominate in the trenches and utilize tight ends and just beat you physically. There's no question in my mind that correlates to their mental toughness on the football field as well. When you know you're bigger and stronger, even against Arizona, Arizona's fast, they're talented, their record is real good. But in that game, Minute after minute after minute, that offense went toe-to-toe with that defense and said, I don't know, man, every time I hit them, they go backwards. Am I supposed to be intimidated? Am I supposed to be scared of these guys? They keep backing them up. They keep backing them up. They keep backing them up. They keep beating them in the trenches. The offensive line is whooping the defensive line. Our running backs are smacking into their linebackers and knocking their head off. Think about that mentally, what that does to you. If you're the Arizona Cardinals linebacker and you just keep getting knocked back and knocked back and giving up first downs, are you still thinking you stink and we're better than you, we have a better record than you? You kind of forget about all that. And you just focus on what's happening around you. And what's happening around you is this is a real big, physical, scary football team, and they don't give up. They just keep punching me in the mouth over and over. And the same thing happens for the Packers. The national media says they can't do it. They're not good enough. They're not going to win. And you go out there and you throw the ball to Mercedes Lewis and he just steamrolls three guys and you realize they're in trouble, not us, they're in trouble, right? People talk down about our defense, but yet they punt, and they punt, and we get a sack, and we get a pick, and we get a stop, and you have to watch them with their heads down walking to the sideline. It doesn't matter what you came into the game feeling. At this point, you realize what the situation is. You're not underdogs anymore. They're the ones hanging their head. They're the ones playing scared. They're the ones that are ducking when contact's coming. It does something to your psyche. And I really do think that that's important, even though the, the NFL is evolving toward faster, smaller, and it, it, it is winning to some degree. There's something about being the more physical team on the football field that has a benefit. And if you can win doing that, like the, the 49ers do, like Baltimore does, like the Packers do, you know, Baltimore lining up seven offensive linemen, we're just going to road grade. It's one thing when Colin Coward says you're a great team. It's another thing when you get on the football field and you keep getting knocked on your back. You don't feel so tough anymore. And, and so the Packers need that. They need that mental toughness and that physical toughness. And I think it's going to be important. Get out there and show the Chiefs who are coming out there thinking, we're going to torment this quarterback. We're going to get in his head. We're going to get picked. Mercedes Lewis is going to get up to that next level, find a linebacker, put his hands in the middle of that man's chest, launch his feet up over his head, and he's going to land on the crown of his helmet. And he's going to realize he's not the predator. He's not the one hunting. He's being hunted. And all these plans just go out the window. All these wonderful plans about how we're going to go get Jordan Love. And after about a quarter, you're just figuring out how to stay on your feet. You're trying to figure out how to bring down A.J. Dillon without getting a concussion on the next time you meet him head-to-head. This isn't film room anymore. This team's kind of mean. Their wide receivers are bullies. They got throwback tight ends from like 97. He's not just bigger. He's mean. It's not just muscle. It's mentality with Mercedes Lewis. He's going to hurt you. Packers just got to remember who they are. That's it. And Jordan Love, as soon as he recognizes that, the sooner the better. Sooner, sooner he realizes he's not being hunted, he's hunting. Go out and attack, attack, attack. They can't stop you. The sooner the better. Anyways, uh, we'll take a break. I got to go check on my meat. Hopefully it's, uh, it's right at the stall. Should be. It's 6.30. I'm going to get so many food safety emails. I don't think it's safe. It's been at that temperature for so long. Listen, I don't care. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. It's fine. Man. So I, I was just, I was going to send somebody an email, or not an email, but a message on, on, uh, on Patreon to say, thank you for your support. And I, I looked and it's like, oh, he's supporting a bunch of people. I shouldn't be uh, lurking on what other people are doing. I promise I'm not judging. But this podcast has 15,523 patrons, $70,000 a month. Jeez. 15,000. I want one thousand that's it that's all I, that's all I need if I get a thousand patrons done game over this other uh this other person he's supporting ten thousand seven hundred patrons this one 36 thousand five hundred patrons hundred and sixty one thousand dollars a month dude I suck I su- this podcast is garbage this is the worst podcast that has ever been I am trash this one twenty one thousand patrons eighty seven thousand dollars a month. Man, what am I even doing with my life? Anyways, that's not why I came here. Um, Lots of thank yous, though. Since I've started doing this new, uh, really turning my attention to Patreon and and pushing that, uh, things have gone quite well. It's still a work in progress. Couple updates. If you don't care, just go ahead and skip ahead, but uh, I got to get these out of the way. Actually, let me get the thank yous done first, and I got to start marking down where I left off, but let's just start randomly from yesterday around here. Thank you to Matthew. Thanks very much to Dennis for upping his pledge. Thanks to Mackenzie for jumping in on Patreon. Thank you to Ryan for jumping in on a brand new tier. By the way, here's another thing. If you create a tier, now don't just do stupid tiers because I'm not going to do it. But if it's like, let's call it increments of five. So my highest was 20. Somebody was at 25. And the problem is they couldn't see any of the extra bonus material because you have to be on a tier. So I created a tier using their name And just call just in your honor, here's your own tier. And so that way I can add all the extra stuff to it and you're on your own tier without saying, just drop it down $5 or whatever, because I obviously don't want them to do that. And then somebody else had a $30 tier. So I created a tier in their honor. If anybody wants to create a 35 or 40 or 45 or $50 tier, I will name that tier after you. And it will be your tier and you get all the extra bonuses that you could ever dream of. So that was one of the things I had to uh, mention, but let's continue on. Thank you very much to Travis for uh, your pledge. Thank you to Scott. I think you just edited it to pay for the year, but either way, thank you anyways. And then thank you to Rowan for jumping in. Uh, by the way, Rowan, I don't know if this is you, but somebody deleted with the same same-ish name and then like immediately was added back on. If that's you and you got double charged, let me know and I'll refund you. If it's not, then then never mind, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> anyways, the uh, final thing I wanted to bring up um, Well, a couple things. First of all, everyone's been kind of confused. I've had a lot of messages like, hey, you said you're doing this thing, but I can't see it. So I'll run through this one more time. Well, whatever, however many times. If you jump on Patreon for just a buck, you're going to have all of the Q&As whenever I ask questions or do polls or just send out general messages. uh, You get it. Also, the Discord, if you want to be in that, you can join the Discord. That's just for a buck. At the $2 tier, which is just one more dollar, you can get all of these podcasts early and ad-free. Bonus content, pictures of the dog, um, grilling, Coach Hans breakdowns, five bucks. $5 a month, you get all the extra bonus content. If I do stuff with uh, Blaine, my half-Mexican lawyer, that stuff will probably, unless I'm calling it a podcast, probably be $5 tier. $10 tier is the extra added podcast that I started doing, just basic general rants. Could possibly be about football could be about aliens, skinny jeans. The last couple have been about driving. A lot of people have told me they they really like that part of the podcast, so I'm just doing a whole separate thing. Any tier above that, I don't have any extra and above added things, and there's only about three people that are above that anyways, but um, I'm open to suggestions. Uh, the final, final thing on that is some people are giving certain amounts but aren't on a tier. That could be like somebody saying, I'll give you $3 a month. If you're not on a tier, you don't get any benefits. I wish Patreon didn't do it that way. I wish it was just if you gave above this, you get the thing. So if you create a $22.50 a month tier, you would get all the... You don't. If you're not on a tier, you don't get the tiered bonuses. And so there are some people for some reason that are giving $10 a month that are on the $1 tier. There's some people who are giving $5 a month that are not on any tier. It's like you just get to select, I'll just give this much a month. Don't do that. If you want any of the giveaways, don't do that. So either cancel what you have and join a tier. Or if something just doesn't seem right, go back and look at it and find out what tier you're on. If you're not on a tier, you're not going to get anything. So just make sure that you're doing that. Make sure that you're you're in the right spot. And again, if, if you're on something and you want to cancel and redo it, just tell me and I can refund you so that you don't get double charged for this month. So anyways, again, just doing a little bit of house cleaning. This podcast is already running long, but I do want to go through the game. So let's take a break. We'll come right back. All right, folks, let's rock and roll. To make today even worse, I found out that my C drive was completely full, which gave me a panic attack because my last computer that happened and I could not figure out the problem. Um, Immediately blamed my daughter for her Dropbox photos, which were on the C drive, and I fixed that, which took forever. So this podcast is now, what time did I say I started? Five something? It's eight o'clock. So um, long day. Turns out that didn't fix it. What happened was I put Dropbox on my computer. And even though I told it, I don't want any of this crap on my computer, it put all of it on my computer. So Dropbox is off my computer. Everything's fine. We're good to go. All right. Making progress. Moving in the right direction. Um, moved on to Monster. I started off with some coffee and uh, the coffee crash is just starting to settle in, which is a terrible thing to happen at eight o'clock in the morning. But so that's that's just the life that I'm, That's that's where we're headed right now. Um, so we're moving on to monster. Let's take a look at some of this NFL action, shall we? And I got to say, I mean, I, I've been um, I've been pretty solid. Not maybe not in every conceivable way. Let me uh, see if I can get this to work here. But like I said, I've been rebuilding that bankroll a little bit. So last week I went with the Tennessee Titans. Because I, I there's always one where I look at it and go that just doesn't make sense to me, and that's the one I've been laying some money down on. And uh, so far, so good. So I, I, I hit with that one. I have rebuilt my bankroll, which is nice. I don't know. I can't get this history thing to work. But anyways, I, I've been doing quite well. So hoping to keep that going here and not get crazy. And so here's what happened. Started off with just a chunk, right? And I said, this is all I get for the year. I'm just going to have fun with it. And when it's gone, it's gone. I was so sure about the Packers and the Vikings and like a couple other teams. And I put like everything down and I lost it all. (laughs) So didn't make that mistake. Now I do little bets, and I'm doing much better. Putting everything down on week one is just a really, really bad idea. But starting off with Miami Dolphins and the Houston Texans, nobody cares, but Miami is favorited because the Houston Texans are a massive dumpster fire. I don't really have any comment. I don't really care, but it's a thing. It exists. Getting to the first game that uh, actually really matters, the Dallas Cowboys- against the Denver Broncos. The Dallas Cowboys are 10-point favorites in that game. Broncos, who started the season uh, 3-0, and have gone 1-4 since that time. Um, their last win came last week against Washington, winning 17-10, to so thanks to their defense stepping up. They do have the number two ranked defense in football, which is actually pretty interesting because um, Dallas is almost the exact opposite. Um, not that their defense is necessarily bad, but as of right now, number three ranked offense going up against the number two ranked defense and then you've got the uh, Dallas or excuse me the Denver Broncos 23rd ranked offense against uh, Dallas's 15th ranked defense. So you've got a really good offense going up against a really good defense and a mediocre offense going up against a mediocre defense. So it's just it's just kind of interesting now I understand why Dallas is expected to win because at the end of the day Denver doesn't really have a team that's able to put up enough points to win football games, but their defense kind of keeps them in games, which is kind of interesting. I guess Drew Locke is out, but nobody cares because Drew Locke is a really bad quarterback and Teddy Bridgewater actually grading out fairly decent. I mean, as as far as looking at a team and saying you have a trash offense, I mean, he's ranked 17th with a 77 overall grade. He's doing fine. And really, it's I, it's so weird. It's got to just be the, the, the coaching and the play calling and whatnot that's just not really working. And I, I think it's the Broncos are sort of a run-first kind of an organization that has a decent quarterback and a good group of wide receivers with a subpar running back and a bad offensive line. So it's just it's it's an incompatibility problem. This is a team that was meant to have, you know, bridge... Instead of investing in guys like Jerry Judy and just constantly swinging at wide receivers, they should have been investing in offensive line so that they can run the ball well. And then you get your decent quarterback to throw to your decent... Um, Wide receivers, but I don't know. That's just that's just my thought as to why this isn't working. Because again, Bridgewater seventy seven, uh, Cortland Sutton is the tenth highest graded wide receiver in football. He's always been solid. Jerry Judy has the exact same PFF grade. Um, he's doesn't he hasn't played enough to be ranked because he just he was out from weeks two through seven, so uh, he was back last week. But he's been fine. He's been great. So I don't I don't know. I mean I I get that Dallas is probably going to win. But if you can, I'd watch it because it's sort of interesting. And it's, it's, I think it's one of those things where everybody's going to look at it and say, Dallas is one of the best teams, if not the best team in football. Denver is trash. So Dallas is going to smoke Denver. I don't know if it's going to be that easy, though. Be interesting to see. I don't know. Plus, I mean, just if you think back to the Packers under Mike McCarthy, these are the games we would lose as, as Green Bay Packers. It's some random Buffalo Bills game against like a, a two and six Bills team, but they just have a really stingy defense and we end up losing. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I'm not picking Denver. I'm tempted to take the under, but, you know, anytime you got a really good offense that has the ability to put up, you know, win by a bunch. In other words, if the defense doesn't shut down Dallas, we know Denver can't keep pace. So if Dallas gets 30 points, Denver's not going to get even probably to 20. Well, they might get 20. I don't know. You get what I'm saying, though. I don't know. I'll think it over. Baltimore Ravens, Minnesota Vikings, obviously a really big impact. If you didn't know, we're rooting against Dallas, obviously. Uh, Big-time Broncos fans and Ravens fans today because the Baltimore Ravens are playing against Minnesota. Baltimore is our six-point favorites, however you say that properly. Um, Right now, it seems like Minnesota is, they've got talent, right? They've got a defense that can kind of jack you up pretty good. They've got an offense we know that can do stuff right? We've seen Cousins play well. We know they have some talented wide receivers. We know they have a good running back, but it's just they just are having a hard time getting out of their own way. I guess they're kind of similar to Kansas City in that regard, minus the you know generally trash defense, but they also don't have quite as much offensive talent, whatever. But in terms of games they've played, it seems pretty straightforward. If they play a bad team, they win. If they play a good team, they lose, more or less they lost to the Bengals, the Cardinals, the Browns and the Cowboys. They beat the Panthers, the Lions and the Seahawks. So, some gray in there a little bit with, you know, Bengals, Seahawks for example, but for the most part that's pretty much it. The question is, what is Baltimore? Are they good or are they trash? Well, they're 5 and 2. That's pretty solid. Um they lost week 1 against the Las Vegas Raiders. Maybe you chalk that up to being kind of, you know, it's a week 1 thing. Uh but they beat Kansas City, 36-35, they beat Detroit, they beat the Denver Broncos, they beat the Colts, they beat the Chargers, and they lost to the Bengals. So again, it's you look and say it's 5-2, so they're obviously a very good team, but it's here's why it's weird. Um, we know the Chiefs aren't that good, so it's not as impressive of a win, and they only won by one point. We know the Detroit Lions are complete garbage. They only won by two points. Uh, we know Denver is bad. They beat them somewhat handily but that was mostly their defense. They only scored 23 points in that game, but again, good defense, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they beat the Colts, and that was in overtime. The Colts are not good, and they had to go into overtime in order to beat them, and then they just absolutely smoked the Chargers, so that was one where it's like, all right, Chargers are kind of decent, and the offense scored 34, and the defense scored, or allowed six, so there's there's no negative there whatsoever, but then they play the Bengals and get blown out, 41 to 17, and you can kind of chalk that up to whether well, in the same division. Sometimes weird stuff happens, but the bottom line is I I wouldn't want to touch this game. Um I know Minnesota seems to be in a in a bigger tailspin than Baltimore. Baltimore's also just coming off a bye, which is going to be working obviously in their favor. It's in Baltimore, so that's going to be working pretty heavily in their favor. I get that, but it's also it these are just two teams that are very combustible. And Either team, I mean, if I said the end result of this game was 31-6, to pick a team, I'd be like, I don't know, dude. It could be either way. I mean, it's probably Baltimore, but I I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Minnesota won 31-6 because Baltimore's a team just like last week where it's like they just lay down. So it's a little too volatile for me to touch. I get why Baltimore's favored Again, coming off a of bye, at home, better record, generally better team. But I think both of these teams are are kind of beating bad teams, losing to good teams. Both of them have volatility issues, positive and negative. So I just, I wouldn't want to touch either. I don't want to play either of these teams because they're dangerous, but I don't want to bet on either of them either. Uh, New England, Carolina, doesn't really matter. I want uh, the Patriots to lose because they're the Patriots. I believe, uh, what's his name is coming back, Christian McCaffrey. He's basically the entire team. He, they, the Carolina Panthers were undefeated. He got injured. I don't think they've won a game since, and he's coming back. I might be exaggerating slightly, but that's more or less what we're talking about. Uh, Buffalo Bills, Jacksonville Jaguars. I basically just want Buffalo to either lose or come close to losing just because, you know, makes you feel good. Not as a Buffalo Bills fan, but as a team, as a fan of a team that wants to win a Super Bowl and stuff. You hate to see, first of all, you hate to see a team play such an easy game like this. And Buffalo, it seems like, has been beaten up on some garbage, garbage competition. And I'm not saying they aren't good. They've beat some good teams. But it's like, how many times are they going to go out and, you know, I mean, it's... So they beat Miami uh, 26 to 11. They beat Houston 40 to 0. They beat Washington 43 to 21. They beat Miami 35 to 0. Now, these are absolute beatdowns. But come on, you get Miami twice, Houston, Washington, and now you get Jacksonville. And next week, they get the Jets. And after that, they get the Colts. Come on, that's not fair. But again, it in their defense, they're doing a good job of, you know, when you get teed up, they're just knocking it clean out of the park. So um, again, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's 14 and a half points and I'm thinking, dude, I'm taking Jacksonville for 14 and a half. That's ridiculous. But look at the games they've won. Um, they beat Miami by, what is that, 15. So that's, there you go. Uh, They beat Kansas City by 18, they beat Houston by 40, they beat Washington by 22, and they beat Miami by 35. Every one of their wins so far this year has been by more than 14 points. They lost to Tennessee by three, they lost to Pittsburgh by eight. So if they win, which you would assume they do, they've won by more than 14 points every single time. So am I going to touch that? No chance. Cleveland, Cincinnati generally don't care since uh, Cleveland is in a tailspin. So I understand why Cincinnati is favored by two and a half points, um, but I, I think Cleveland has a good team. So and, you know, again, doesn't matter. Don't know who's going to win. Interesting game. Don't care. Uh, Raiders, Giants also don't care. Giants are complete garbage. Raiders are, I guess, I mean, you could, you could call it a tailspin, but it's it's well beyond that. Um, not not even in terms of their play, just what they're going through is 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 really bad. I mean, it's it's next level. It's not just like, well, they, you know, they they can't quite get there mentally. And, you know, P- Pat Mahomes is struggling mentally because off the field, his brother does TikToks or whatever the theory is. And on the field, he's protection is breaking down and they, whatever. It's not like that. It's our coach got fired for really bad emails which, by the way, he got thrown under the bus because you know there's dozens of other emails like it, but he's the fall guy, which is messed up and unfair. And then our other teammate, who's a star, who's been great for our team, um, killed somebody doing 156 miles an hour, completely plastered out of his mind, um, and will be in jail for a very long time. I mean, that, that that's going to mess with you on a whole other level, where... You have a hard time focusing on football because you real it's one of those you realize things are bigger than football. You know what I mean? It's like when somebody close to me dies and I have to go do the podcast. It, I feel there's almost guilt. Like, how can I do a podcast? Like this matters. So, one of those kinds of things. So, uh, I don't know. I, we'll see what happens. Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints. Go Falcons. That's all I can say. The Saints are, are really struggling. I mean, they're they're a talented team. Good defense. They've got some key things. I mean, obviously, you saw what they did to the Packers. They're a 5-2 and two team. Uh, they annihilated the Patriots. They uh, crushed Washington. They're, they're on a three-game win streak, having beat Seattle and Tampa this past week. But they lost their quarterback and a whole bunch of other things. So I don't think... I'm not saying I'm happy they lost their quarterback and things are not going well for them, because that's not very nice. But there's no question. This is the team that scares me more than any other team, more than Tampa, because just because of that weird thing where that team that blows you out in the regular season is the team we face in the NFC Championship game, is the team that knocks us out of the playoffs. That's been the trend the last two years in a row. I don't want to see them in the playoffs. I don't care how bad they are. I don't want them there. So we'll see how that how that goes. I do expect them to beat Atlanta. Um, then they have Tennessee. Tennessee doesn't have Derrick Henry anymore, so I, don't, I can't even say for sure that they're going to lose. Their Philadelphia is bad. But then Buffalo, so hopefully around that Thursday game, November 25th, things go downhill. They lose to Buffalo, they lose to Dallas, they lose to the Broncos. They don't have a lot of hard games other than that. That's about it. So they're going to be in the playoffs. So they have five wins. Atlanta's going to be six, let's say, let's say they lose to the Titans. They're still going to get seven from the Eagles, eight from the Jets, nine from the Dolphins, 10 from the Panthers, and then 11 for the Falcons probably. Stinks, man. I don't want them in the playoffs, but anyways, go Falcons. Either way, we'll see what happens. Chargers, Eagles really don't care. Uh, Chargers don't have much to do with us. The Eagles are not a good NFC team, so I don't not worried about it. Packers, Chiefs minus seven for the Chiefs. Uh, again, that's not surprising. I'm not even mad about it. I understand the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. Um, I'm tempted. I'm tempted to pick the Packers in this, but I I, I do have some concern that. It seems like a bad bet, because I feel like, of the likely scenarios, number one, the Packers play a really, really good game. And I think if they can play a really, really good game, I think there's a good chance they win. The other outcome is things just really don't go well, in which case, picking the Packers plus seven is a bad idea. Because if the Chiefs get on a roll, um, you know, they're going to win by probably more than, than seven. So, the fan in me wants to pick the Packers on the off chance that they win or they keep it close and maybe they don't, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we're down by four and you're thinking, man, this is where you'd love to have Aaron Rodgers on that final drive and then love, you know, can't get it done, throws a pick to end the game or whatever and we lose by four. It's, it's all possible, but I, I just, I think my fandom is, is the only reason I'd want to touch this. I really don't want to. The only other thing I would do is take the Kansas City Chiefs in a hope that at least it it takes some of the pain away. But the problem is, then if we lose by six, it's just doubly awful. So I'll I'll just leave that alone. Um, San Francisco, three-point favorites over Arizona because they don't have their quarterback. That one's tempting to take Arizona. Um, I think they're missing a couple people, though. It's going to be Colt McCoy. Obviously, that's not very good. I don't know, man. It should tell you something about San Francisco that they're only three-and-a-half-point favorites. That's, That's part of it that's interesting. But it's still one of the best defenses in football going up against San Francisco. That that to me, I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not willing to just concede that the best part of this team is uh, the quarterback, and that's the only thing that works now that he's not there. I mean, it's similar to what's going on with the Packers. Like, well, there's no Aaron Rodgers, the rest of the team is trash. No, the rest of the team is pretty good, dude. And San Francisco was on a four-game losing streak until they met the Chicago Bears, because I mean, talk about a get-right game. I don't know. I'm tempted. I am a little bit tempted to touch that one. And the other thing is Arizona runs the ball a lot. They actually run the ball significantly more than they've ever passed the ball. They're fifth in rushing attempts, 25th in passing attempts. They're a rushing team. Um, And so they're just going to continue to be one of the heaviest rushing teams in football. Um, The 49ers run defense is ranked 22nd their pass defense is 29th, so again, Colt McCoy is not very good, similar to the Packers' situation, but it's a horrific coverage defense. And at the end of the day, this offense still is going to need to be able to do things on offense against a really stingy uh, defense that before the Packers gave up 5, 14, 10, 20, 19 points, right? The last time they played the 49ers, the 49ers scored 10 points. The offense won because they got the 17. Can Colt McCoy in this offense get to 17 again? Again, I probably won't touch it, but um, I'm not convinced the Cardinals don't win this anyways. Where is this being played? This is in... It's in San Francisco, so I, I get it. That three and a half makes sense. I still am not comfortable. I would never be comfortable with that. I'm, I, I'm rooting for the 49ers. Don't get me wrong. We need Arizona to get knocked down a couple pegs, and I'll take a, a freebie. So I'm rooting for San Francisco, as much as that makes me sick to my stomach, but... Um, I don't know. Either way, either way, it's going to be good. If Arizona does win, then I just laugh hysterically at one of my least favorite teams in football, the 49ers, um, with their elite head coach. That's so good. By the way, where's Michael Lombardi talking about this guy? Where's Michael Lombardi talking about Shanahan and how this guy hasn't been able to coach anything or do anything? Where, where is he? Now that he's got his team back healthy, he's got you know his quarterback, he's even got a second quarterback he doesn't know what to do with. Where's that guy? So this is a win-win game, but realistically, we do need the 49ers to win that game. Uh, Titans-Rams, I mean, the Rams are getting a a freebie. I I think the Titans are going to be similar to Carolina, where with Christian McCaffrey out, they're just not a football team anymore. I think without Derrick Henry, um, not to say they won't be able to bring somebody in that can still run the ball and everything, but what are the Tennessee Titans without Derrick Henry? Even looking at the success of their quarterback and how good he's been the last several years, there's no question it's because the run is the most threatening part of their team. So I tend to think the Rams, especially with Von Miller now on the team, they got one of the top corners, the best pass rusher in like the last 20 years, and now Von Miller off the edge. Um, this is this is going to be. I think they're going to crush the Titans. Is my expectation. In fact, I'm I'm almost tempted to take the Rams at seven <laughs> because it just it feels like easy money to me. I don't know. And the and the Titans, I don't think. Let me check. Yeah. So the, so the Titans have been winning. Um, offensively. They have the sixth highest ranked offense, but they're the number one rushing team in football, right? So that's that's what they've been doing to kill everybody is running the football. 22nd in passing. Now they have to, to some degree, become a passing team against the, uh, well, they're only ranked number 10. The, the defense has taken a step back. But again, with Von Miller, that's going to be improved. But beyond that, Tennessee's defense is ranked 20th. They just gave up 31 points to the Colts. It's three to the Chiefs the week before that, but then 31 the week before that. So the Rams, with the fifth highest ranked offense, going up against one of the worst defenses in football, probably going to have the ball a lot. I just, I think, I think I'm I'm leaning confidently Rams beat Tennessee by more than seven. As confident as I can be in a football game, which is never ultimately very confident. Um, And then one of my favorites, and I know this is technically tomorrow, and we can talk about it more tomorrow, but just the fact that the Bears are six-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Steelers. We're not sure if the Bears can come within six-and-a-half points of one of the most garbage offenses in football. That just That's just a beautiful thing. Plus, you got Pittsburgh with their pass rush very similar to what Cleveland has, just these, these real scary guys up front, um, and we know what happened when they went up against Cleveland. It's going to be a long day for, uh, for poor Justin Fields. Um, but anyways, that's, that's it. I just wanted to kind of run through it. Things to look for, things to watch out for, some exciting things going on. Um, I don't know if I'm going to put anything down this week, but I probably should. There's No point in not playing anything. I'm leaning. Maybe what I'll do is I'll buy some points, which I know is like a cowardly thing to do. Um, but as long as I'm, my bankroll is moving in the right direction, I might just do that. Just make it, uh, four points. I'll buy three points back, put a higher wager. I might do that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I do think I'm going to quickly record a, um, another bonus podcast. It's going to be a little bit more of a, a touchy, edgy kind of one because I, I do want to get some things out there that have been going on with Twitter and whatnot and just kind of clarify a few things. So if you're into that, check it out. If you're not, then don't. But otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.